Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. Jonathan Gravener, he was diagnosed with cancer. He was a broadcast journalist, a network reporter for a large show. He was a correspondent and he traveled around the world. He was diagnosed with stage four cancer. When he let his wife and daughter know about this, his teenage daughter said to him, I don't care if you live or die. He thought, why can't she see what I have given to her? Why can't she see what I've done for her? He couldn't understand it. But then as his mind thought, he couldn't remember the last time he hugged her. He couldn't remember the last time that he said to his daughter, I'm proud of you. He couldn't remember the last time he said to his wife and daughter, I love you. He realized that his cancer was a lot deeper than his throat. A few weeks later in the hospital, he had to undergo a radical neck dissectioning, which means he was cut from the back of his ear down below his Adam's apple, and they had to remove a golf-sized tumor. This is a true story. Now, he lays in recovery. He's praying to a God that he doesn't believe in. And that's something. The surgeon comes in and tells him the tumor isn't gone. You have to go through major chemotherapy. Now he's more scared than he's ever been. Instead of taking the opportunity to ask his wife and daughter to come along with him to the chemo treatments, he denied his wife and he denied his daughter the opportunity to hear him say, I'm scared. Please help me. I need help. He's dying to be close to them, but he's pushing them so far away, far away, and he's dying anyway. After the chemo treatment, his first one, he decided he wouldn't go home, so he went downtown. He meets a bum. That bum's holding a sign. That bum has a dog. He thinks, are you kidding me? You're not more than a victim than me. Go get a job. I'm the one with cancer. I've been in the hospital seeing kids with cancer getting chemo. So he would observe this beggar for the next few days. And he noticed he never begged, but it was always kind to people. He thought that to be strange. One day he decided to walk close by him and his dog. The dog comes up. He pets him. He asks what his name is. The bum said, it's a, it's a she and her name is Molly. The bum says, he usually doesn't come up to people unless they need something. What do you need? <laughs> The next day, he wanted to go back and give the beggar something, but he knew if he gave him money, he was afraid he would use it for drugs or alcohol. So he bought him a sandwich. The bum saw him passing by the next day, and they started up a conversation. He gave him the sandwich that he had bought him, and he said, the bum says to him, I'm not going to share. I'm not going to have this sandwich with you unless you sit down and share it with me. Pretty curious for a beggar to say that or a or homeless person to say that. So they talked for a while. Then he sees him reach into his bag that he had and he pulls out a pill bottle. He helped him open it. He had a little trouble with it. It was medication for schizophrenia. He asked, is this why you're begging? He said, no, I'm raising money for the needy. And he pointed to a sign that had the groups he was raising money for. He started to think, this beggar really wasn't disabled. Maybe I'm the one that's disabled. <laughs> his judgment of the beggar 
blinded him to the beggar's real intent. He ran into this guy often, and sometimes the beggar would even signal him over. And one day the beggar gave him a box of chocolate, and the beggar teared up. And he said, you know, I've got, I've, I've not got many, many friends. But you're my friend, right? This is a guy that lived in front of the TV camera and was known by a lot of people. But he said that day he really felt important. You know why he felt important? He said, because I was there. So he says to the beggar, I'll take the chocolate, but only if you sit and share it with me. <laughs> so he's sitting down there with the beggar eating chocolates, and he's watching all the people pass by. They have places to go. They have people to see. All of them are just so, so busy. And so he's watching these people look down on him. And he said, you know, I always had the view from up top, looking down at those people. Now he had the view from below. And he said to the beggar, I think this is the better view. I'll tell you the end of the story at the end of the message. Let's get Galatians chapter number three. And let's start reading at verse number six. Galatians chapter three, verse number six. Even as Abraham believed God and was accounted to him for righteousness. Know you therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen for faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee all nations be blessed. So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that continueth not, and all the things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God. It is evident, for the just shall live by faith. And the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. Christ hath redeemed us. From the curse of the law being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. There's a twofold purpose of the redemption that we've been wrapping up here in Galatians. And verse number 14, look at it again, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. That's the first fold. Who does the blessing come from? Jesus Christ. What is it through? Faith. It comes to the Gentiles the same way it comes to the Jews. Through faith in Jesus Christ. We are all one under him. There is no Jew or Gentile. Remember we talked about earlier, we, we looked at Adam and his offspring was flesh. It was a physical birth. We can trace our lineage back to Adam, that, that flesh, physical birth. Then there's Noah and the offspring was a, another 
fleshly or physical birth. And then we looked at Christ and the offspring of Christ. When we were born again, we have a spiritual birth. That's why the Bible says you must be born again, right? So we understand that. We've preached on that. But now Abraham, is that physical or is that spiritual? Abraham brings both. Now, we aren't the physical descendants of Abraham. We're not, we're not Jews. Now, I, I, I know one. You might know one or two that can that can double dip, so to speak. But we don't we're not a physical people from Abraham. We're not Hebrews. But Romans 4:11 says that he might be the father of all them that are in his lineage. Physically? No, to all them that what? Believe. Though they be not circumcised nothing fleshly nothing physical we can do so abraham there's both there is the physical people the hebrews but we are a spiritual people that he might be the father of them that believe though they be not circumcised in galatians 3 we read 6 through 14 can i draw your attention to verse 8 right quick look at verse 8 and the scripture foreseeing that god would justify the heathen through faith through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee all nations be blessed. How? In this context, spiritually, through faith in Jesus Christ. That was the first fold, that redemption. The blessing of Abraham coming through the Gentiles. Through Jesus Christ. Same way it comes to the Jews. Same thing. Now look at verse 14 again. Look at the end of the verse. Here's the second fold purpose of the redemption. Look at it. That we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Guess who receives the Holy Spirit? Jews and Gentiles. All those that place their faith in Jesus Christ. And so that kind of answers the question, well, how do we receive the spirit? Through faith. Through faith. We receive the Holy Spirit through faith in Jesus Christ. So verse number 14, to wrap it up, the doctrine here, without Christ dying on the cross, none of us would have the blessing of Abraham. And none of us would have the life of the indwelt Holy Spirit. We wouldn't have it. Purpose of the redemption. Bring us life. We get the spiritual blessing of Abraham. It's through faith in Jesus Christ. We receive the Holy Spirit of God. Which gives us. Man it's like. I, I can't even. We can't really put it in words. But like a B12 shot. <laughs> but just. Infinitively magnified. Now, some doctrine I want us to come away with because we're going to wrap up this six Galatians uh, verse six through 14. We're wrapping this up and then we're going to move on to a different section here that's being addressed in Galatians next Sunday, Lord willing. But Paul, he uses in verses six through 14, what you got to come away with. Paul uses the Old Testament to show that justification by faith is an Old Testament doctrine. And Paul does this six times. 
And so you'll hear me say a lot, a lot, because where a lot of people fall into error is they confuse Israel with the church. And so you'll hear me draw a lot of contrast or a lot of a distinction between earthy people, spiritually people, uh, spiritual people, physical people, spiritual people. He, okay, the nation of Israel, the New Testament church, and understanding those distinctions. So this blessing we have in Abraham isn't for a land grant. That's for Israel. That's a physical thing. This blessing we have through Abraham that we're speaking of in Galatians, it's a spiritual thing. What's the spiritual thing? Through faith. So that's what we're trying to get. And so he's Paul is very, 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 well, I want to say smart, but he's just filled with the Holy Spirit. And he knows that he's a mouthpiece for God. And so he's going back. He's, he's dealing with Jews and he's going back to the Old Testament and saying, no, the Old Testament teaches this. Look at verse six. First thing out of six things we're going to look at. Even as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. So he starts off with them. Abraham is the example, and he's the father of the Hebrew people. Get Genesis chapter number 12. That's where we're going to be. We're going to look at these Old Testament passages. So everybody say that. That's the first thing. Abraham is the example. Everybody say that so I know you got it. Abraham is the example. Amen. Amen. He's the father of the Hebrew people, and now... We're in Genesis chapter 12. Keep your finger there. And keep your finger in Galatians 3. Second thing we're going to look at, look at verse 7. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, Galatians 3. We're going to be in Galatians 3 and in Genesis 12. We're going to flip-flop here. Galatians 3, look at verse 7. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. Go down to verse 9. So then, they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. How do you become a child of Abraham? Through faith. I'm not, I don't have Abraham. I'm not a Hebrew. You're not a Jew. We're not the nation of Israel. So how do we become a child of Abraham? What's the blessing? It's a spiritual blessing. You and I want to be blessed with faithful Abraham. We're going to have to receive that blessing the same way that Abraham received that blessing. And how is it? The brother said it through faith, through faith. Genesis chapter number 12. Keep your fingers in Galatians because we're going to flip back there. Genesis chapter 12. Look at this. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make thee make of thee a great nation and I will bless thee and make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee, Hebrew families will be blessed. <laughs> Except that you all know I read that passage wrong. <laughs> in thee, all families of the earth 
be blessed. But wait a minute, how am I going to be blessed? I'm not a Hebrew. You don't need to be. Not for this blessing, you don't need to be. You're not getting a land grant. I'm not getting dirt. <laughs> We're not getting real estate. Israel is. But in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. How? Galatians 3, verse 8. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen. Who's the heathen? That's the Gentiles. That's us. Through faith. Preach before the gospel to Abraham saying, saying, and here's a cross reference. In thee, all nations be blessed. I know I said a lot. But I want to just recap. These first three points that Paul brings them back to the Old Testament. He goes back, Genesis chapter 12, verses 1, 2, and 3. And we see, number one, Abraham is the example. Number two, the blessing is spiritual. Number three, how are the Gentiles going to be blessed? By faith. Those are the three points and the three doctrines we want to come away as we wrap up and just kind of close out verses 6 through 14. Now, let's get in our Bible, Deuteronomy chapter 27. Keep your finger in Galatians. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And let's get to chapter 27. We're going to have to start doing some sword drills with some of the kids here to see who holds their Bible up first that gets it. Huh? <laughs> uh, those are fun, but we are in Deuteronomy 27. Now he goes back on this fourth point. That I want us to look at Galatians 3, but let's read the cross reference first since we are there. Deuteronomy 27. Look what it says in verse 26. Cursed be he that confirmeth not all the words of this law to do them, and all the people shall say amen. We already preached on this, so we're wrapping up Galatians 3 with these cross references. But here's the fourth point. Paul goes back to the Old Testament. He's proving justification by faith, and he says, what? If you can't keep all the words of the law, you're cursed. <laughs> and then he closes it out with, all right, everybody say amen. <laughs> Just kind of cues them up. Now look with Galatians 3, look at verse 10. I know we're in the New Testament, but Paul's speaking to these Jews and these, and these people that are saved. Now they're, they're getting influenced by these Judaizers. And all he's doing is just using the scriptures that they know. And look, watch what he says. For as many as of the works of the law, verse number 10, are under the curse. For it is written, cursed is everyone that continueth not in all the things which are written. Where? In the book of the law to do them. I'm telling you to be a Paul. <laughs> to just be so roots deep as Paul was. What does he do as the, as the apologetic or what does he do for the defense of the gospel? He knows the Bible well enough to take him to the place in the Bible where they're going to relate to it. Man, that'll preach. He listens to them. He understands where they're at. And he takes them right to the Old Testament passage where, guys, it's right there. It's right there. You're cursed because you never kept the law. All right, so that's the fourth one. 
If you didn't obey every bit of the law, you were cursed because nobody can keep the law. That's why the Bible says, and this is why it's great to use Romans 3, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. James 2.10, for whosoever shall keep the whole law, yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. These are great scriptures to show someone, allow them to read. They're easy to understand. You can even ask them, how would you interpret that? <laughs> because it's really hard to interpret it any other way. Galatians 3, look what it says at the end. Let's go back there. Galatians 3, verse 22. But the scripture hath concluded all under sin that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. Believe, 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 believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe on him. Young people, pay attention. You have abundance in life through Jesus Christ. You will not find the abundance in whatever the TV is dumping, whatever type of junk that's dumping into your living room. I'm not going to get too far on a rabbit trail on this, but the Bible should be the centerpiece of the living room, not a, not a television, right? It, I mean, it should. The Bible should be in the palm of your hand, not getting junk from the cell phone. I got a cell phone. I use it. I need it for work. I got to make phone calls. So do you. But I'm telling you, Whoever was the brain scientist that came up with giving a 10-year-old a cell phone to walk around town and get on the Internet, that guy's an idiot. <laughs> That's the dumbest idea I've ever heard. How do we learn these things? Through the Bible. I'm excited about learning the Bible. Are you? This is an exciting book. This, hat, this gives us, man, something so much better than the world has. So much better. So much better. We need more families on the front porch snapping green beans with grandma than we do having them doing all this other stuff. All right. Back in Galatians chapter three, look at verse number 11. Law and faith are just completely opposite. Look at it. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God. It is evident for the just shall live by faith. And the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. Where do we go? Where did he go in the Old Testament? He went to Habakkuk. Let's get there. You go to the last book in the Old Testament, the book of Malachi, and you go back five books. You say, you say, who's Malachi? Well, if you're of the Italian band, that's how you say Malachi. Malachi. All right, go back about five books and you'll find Habakkuk. Habakkuk chapter number two is the cross-reference that we'll need. This is where Paul takes everybody that's influenced by these Judaizers. And he just says, okay, fine, we'll just use what the Jews believe. And he shows them. You guys just are missing. It. It's right there in the Holy Scriptures from the God 
who you say you believe. And he says in Habakkuk chapter two, verse number four, behold, his soul, which is lifted up, is not upright in him. Oh, this is good. But look at it. But the just shall live by his faith. So he takes him right back to the Old Testament. Abraham is the example. How do you become a child of Abraham? It's a spiritual thing. How does this happen? Through faith, right? We see that. That was the third point. The fourth one we talked about, you can't get to God through the law. You'll be cursed. The fifth thing we're looking at right now, law and faith are completely opposite. The just shall live by faith. And when we started preaching on that, we talked about, you know, the law has its place. I don't know any mom that doesn't have rules and laws for her kids. I don't know any, any, any of the ladies that are married. You have rules and laws for your husband. Take your dirty boots off before you come into the kitchen. <laughs> I don't know any husband that doesn't have rules and laws for his household. No, we're, look, as a family, we're not going to participate in that. We're not going to watch this. We're going to protect. All dads do. It's a good thing. Should we obey those laws? Could we keep, should we keep those laws? Yeah, of course we should. Of course we should. But that ain't going to justify a one of us before God. This is why we can't lose sight of the fact we've got to live by faith. If it's just a hammer coming down, you're going to live under my iron rule. Well, that's a dictatorship. That might work short term. When the kid's 16, they're out. Their heart's been out earlier than that. They just didn't have enough courage and weren't old enough to do anything about it. Once they're old enough to do something about it. So what am I saying? We need to have heart, I guess, strings, if you would, attached to the laws and the commands and the statutes and the ordinances and everything that we do. I mean, who wants to be married to a spouse and all they do is just slam down rules on them, making them feel like they're not worth nothing? That's not God. What kid wants to be under the rule of parents? All they do is just slam down rules on them. What are you saying, Brother Jimmy, get rid of rules? No, not at all. I'm not saying get rid of rules at all. Have them. Have more of them. <laughs> just make sure that what is behind that is a motive that has a heart that the Holy Spirit is pouring out of. How do you do that? I don't know. Because I'm still working on it. I know I need to pray. I, knew it, I know I need to sanctify the Lord in my heart. I know. Can't you bring me to the verses and I can bring you to the verses? I'm telling you, we can't. Just be all laws, rules, and commands without a heart that's just so in love with Jesus Christ. I'm telling you right now this morning, young people and old people, pay attention. When you fall in love with the author of this book, life starts to change. Fall in love with this author and you'll fall in love with your spouse. You'll fall in love with your children. You'll fall in love with your church family. You'll fall in love for your community. And you'll just want to tell them, oh, I, gotta I just got to tell you, this is the greatest story I've ever heard. You want to be saved by the law. It's a works-based meriting system. 
You want to be saved by faith. It's God is the object of faith. And it's all his merit. You want to receive the spiritual blessings from God? You're not going to get them through the law. The blessings are only going to come through faith. Now, keep your finger in Galatians. This will be the sixth point, and then we'll wrap up. Deuteronomy chapter number 21 is our Old Testament cross-reference. So let's get Deuteronomy 21. Watch what it says. Deuteronomy 21, and we're in verse number 23. The Bible says, Deuteronomy 21, verse 23, His body shall not remain all night upon the tree, but thou shalt in any wise bury him that day. For he that is hanged is accursed of God, that the land be not defiled, which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance. Now let's get our Galatians 3 passage, verse 13 and 14. Look what it says. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Deuteronomy 21. For he that is hanged is accursed of God. Galatians chapter 3. Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Verse 14. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. I might have went fast. I want you to see that this is the sixth point. You and I were redeemed from the curse of the law. We were redeemed, meaning we are no longer under condemnation. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed on the name of the only begotten Son of God. I see condemned people. This lost and dying world, it's not like you talk to them and they get offended and all of a sudden they're condemned. No, they're condemned already. This is why we must bring them the good news of Jesus Christ. So he redeems you and I from condemnation. Those are the six points I want us to come away with this morning as we wrap up Galatians uh, 6 through 14, those verses in chapter 3. Abraham's the example. How do you become a child of Abraham? Well, it's a spiritual blessing. How do you get that blessing? It's through faith. Remember, if you're under the law, you're cursed. You can't keep the law and get to God. Number five, law and faith are completely polar opposites. Remember, we live by faith. That's point number five. Point number six, we saw that in 13 and 14. He redeemed us from the curse of the law. We are no longer under condemnation. Jonathan Gravener was diagnosed with cancer. I'm going to pick up the story where we left out off. One day he was walking. He's back downtown. It was a chilly day. He had a jacket on. He got to know Doug the beggar pretty well. That day, the sun started to shine and he took the jacket off because he was getting a little hot. And that exposed the scar that was on his neck. Doug the beggar asked, what was it from? And he told him it was from cancer. So Doug the beggar said to him, you'll be okay. You've got a lot more to do. Pretty motivational words from a guy that's got no house, no car, no job. Sometimes the best things are said, though, by exchanging time, not words. 
A lot of people say, well, how do I get my family to not be so distracted with all these things out there? How do we get closer? Uh, a lot of times the answer is just sit down with them. <laughs> just spend time. A lot of things are said through time rather than words. And this is what's happening between Jonathan and this beggar Doug. They were just spending time together. The next day, so he left that day and he, he left that day in tears. He felt like, though, that he had real purpose in life. The next day, he had to go back to the hospital for another chemo treatment that completely drained him. But when he was leaving, he met a young girl there who was a cancer patient. She was there sitting, combing her the hair, the hair of, her, of her little horse toy that she had. But she had a scarf on her head. She was bald. She had lost all her hair. Her skin was green, and she looked completely defeated. So Jonathan, he tried to make some funny faces to make her laugh, but she didn't. So he tried again to make some funny faces. Then she finally laughed. Then he laughed. Then some of the nurses got in on it. And the next thing you know, everybody in that little ward was laughing. He realized he did have a purpose. He was so excited that he went to see Doug downtown that day after he left the hospital, but Doug was gone. So he tried for a week. He asked the store tenants, hey, where's the where's the bum <laughs> where's this beggar he wondered at night if he was mugged or if he was hospitalized or if he died but he never saw him again his chemo treatments went on and a little girl that he saw that he tried to make laugh that day he had ended up making an establishing a relationship with when he went in for his chemo treatment one day she wasn't there and they asked what happened they said she had died He realized that he could die at any time. But he also realized through all of this, he was ready to die. But Jonathan's problem wasn't that he was ready to die. Jonathan's problem was he never knew how to live. And too many of us, we know that we're ready to die. We've trusted Christ as our Savior. We know that we have eternal life. And we know that we're going to heaven. We're ready to die. Now, we don't want to go today. <laughs> Nobody does, right? But we know if we did, where we would be. We just don't know how to spend every day of our life living for the Savior who saved us so that when we die, we know where we're going to go. We spend our lives trying to avoid. So Jonathan decided that day he was going to spend the rest of his life trying to restore the relationship with his wife and his daughter. And so that's what he did. And his teenage daughter, who now was out of the house and at college, Told him over the phone, Daddy, you're going to do real good. And then for the first time, she said, Daddy, I love you. Now, that's pretty good. What does it have to do with you? And what does it have to do with the message? And what does that have to do with Galatians and redemption? What has to do with this? We often look at people with a I don't care if you live or die attitude. But I see people that are condemned. We ought not look at them like, 
Well, I have eternal life. Let's just go on. Time. We often look at people in a lower social class than us, and we never pay any mind to them because they don't have a nicer car as we do. They don't have a nicer house as we do. They don't have a nicer job as we do. They don't have a nicer social status as we do. And so we just don't associate with those people. And we won't ever stop and talk to them about Jesus Christ and what he offers. Often we don't have time to spend with our wife. We don't have time to spend with our husband. We don't have the time to spend with our son or our daughter because our lives are lived with us on the throne, the throne of our job that we'll work 90 hours for and pour our heart and soul into a boss or a company. All the while, while we see our friends, our neighbor, our spouse and our children fall apart. One day you and I are going to die, but one day those that we love are going to die. Why not make the decision to live for them? Why not make the decision to live like it says in Romans chapter 12, our bodies as a living sacrifice, which is reasonable to our God to just put time into lost people. I'm not saying go where they go. I'm not saying do what they do. I'm not saying watch what they watch. I'm not saying think how they think. I'm not saying get involved with the lifestyle and the philosophy and the worldview that they have. No, we have something so much more. We have something so much better. We have life in Jesus Christ. Don't look at them like you don't care if they live or die. Don't look at them like, well, they're condemned. No, look at them like time. I got to put time into that person. I've got something so much better. You've got something so much better. Life in Jesus Christ. Let's tell the whole world. Sometimes it takes a young girl dying of cancer in a hospital to give us a different perspective. Yet churches are filled with people on Sunday, but the sign-up sheet for somebody to start a nursing home ministry is blank. And one day our wife is gone, our children are gone, the bum on the street dies, a 10-year-old with cancer dies. The best view... The best view isn't what you think it is. The best view is God's view. God's view of redemption. He wants people redeemed to him. Our job is to be used by him. Instead of worrying what you think the beggar on the street is going to spend his money on, maybe we should start worrying about what we are spending our time and money on. Instead of worrying about what you think someone else's purpose is or someone else's motive is, maybe we need to understand what our purpose is. It's to live for God. And it's not Sunday at 11. Although I want to do that at Sunday at 11. What are we doing Monday? What are we doing Tuesday? What are we doing Wednesday? And so on and so forth. The purpose, your purpose, my purpose, Christian's purpose is to tell God's plan of redemption. 
Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.